Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. Surprise, we've got a new episode in your podcast app today, plus every single day this week, where we will be talking about the Flower Magazine Showhouse here in Atlanta. Flower is one of our favorite shelter magazines, and we are sponsors of the Showhouse this year. So we thought, what a great opportunity to share some design inspiration and talk to a couple of the incredible design talents that are working on rooms in, in the house. So we're, we're talking to a mid-project, hearing all about their inspiration for their rooms. And then at the end of the week, we will do a recap of everything that we saw at the show house, trends we're seeing, details we loved, spaces we want to move into. So look forward to that on Friday. So if you want to visit the show house, check out flowermag.com slash show house for tickets. It is open now through November 27th. So let's get to our first guest. Today, we will be speaking with Nellie Howard-Osi of Mrs. Howard Design Firm in Jacksonville, Charlotte, in Atlanta. She's a lead designer at Mrs. Howard and um, loves cooking, entertaining. She's a domestic expert, and she also has a tabletop line coming out next year with Dillard's. So, Nellie, thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to chat with you about your powder room. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Okay. So, how'd you get the powder room? So, okay, I was having lunch with Suzanne Cooper and Janelle of Flower Magazine when we were doing the uh, Palmetto Bluff Showhouse, and I hadn't told them yet. I don't think that I was pregnant at the time, but I was like already like five months pregnant. I was just really <laughs> thinking that I was had it under like under wraps. So she said they were doing this another showhouse in Atlanta, and she read off the cast. You know, everybody that was in it, and it's like pretty much every biggest name designer you could possibly think of. It's like every icon imaginable all in one house. And I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, I'd be happy to participate. Is there like a really small space that I can do where I don't take up any space? (laughs) So she said there's two spaces that are still available. One is the basement powder or there's this huge terrace. And I was like, I will take the basement powder. I was pregnant and I was like, I've already like <laughs> bitten off more than I can chew with a few other things. So I was like, I'll, I'll take the basement powder. I'll like slip down here and kind of hide away. Um, but it'll be really cool. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we were at lunch discussing Palmetto and we are just rolled right into another show house. And it's, it is an all-star cast. It is an yeah, insane so, lineup. And the house is... It's beautiful. Like- spectacular i've only been there once Wouldn't you say it's a very it's different it's certainly different because the last show house i did in atlanta was a lot more modern so this is certainly a lot more traditional which i, I you know i'm island in my design to be a little bit more traditional so for me it's such a wonderful revival of that kind of style which is very appropriate for mm-hmm. atlanta too well i feel like the powder room often though sometimes the smallest spaces in a show house i feel like are the most magical yeah so you know like, i was excited to do that because you can do something designers you're like i have a small room i have to make it count yeah you could do something big and wow especially in a powder that was totally cool by me i'm just happy to be included <laughs> just happy to be on the roster with all those icons <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Can you like give a little description? What was your inspiration? And then what, if someone can't visit and they're trying to envision what it looks like, can you kind of paint a picture for us? I always start with Cowton and Tout. It's, I like live and die by Cowton and Tout. They have the most amazing fabrics and showrooms. So I went straight away to the Atlanta showroom and they have a wonderful staff there who's always super helpful. And so I was just kind of poking around trying to figure out, you know, you have to start, I start with wall covering because that's sort of how you start with a powder to do something fun. So I sort of work backwards from there. So I was just kind of poking around, checking through. And, you know, obviously I want to do something out of the norm, you know, a little bit unexpected. Um, so I was flipping through the wall coverings and there's a shagreen 
paneling wallpaper that is, I don't want to say teal, but it's a very powerful blue shagreen wall covering. And I thought, well, God, that's cool. And it's sort of like panels inside of the shagreen. So it's a super cool wallpaper. So I fell in love with that and sort of everything unfolded from there. And then a few weeks later, our Cowton and Tout rep came to visit us to do a showing. And there was a new Jane Churchill wall covering called Windsong. And it's these birds. It's kind of an organic, it's kind of crazy Hitchcock bird craziness. Um, it's different shades of blue, like cutouts of birds all over. So I thought, well, God, this is really cool. I want to use this. And I said, well, why don't I use it on the ceiling? So I've got the shagreen panel, the like tealish shagreen panels on the walls, and I've got the crazy birds on the ceiling. And so I thought that would just be kind of like fun and cool. And all my trim is the coordinating blue color. So it's nice and seamless. So you just look up and you just see all these birds. I just wanted it to be kind of crazy. And then, um, I look, we are lighting sponsor is visual comfort. So I look to them for lighting and they make it obviously really easy to do. So I've got an Aaron Lauder chandelier, the Hampton fixture, which is, I think it looks great almost in any setting. It's such an easy, like great looking fixture with kind of a canthus leaves. So it's kind of more pattern on pattern on the ceiling. So it's a little bit busy, but in kind of a great way for a small powder where you want to be a little bit over the top. I've got the walker sconces flanking the mirror, but I decided to, I've got them in the white finish. I wanted to mix it up a little bit. So I got a Cowton and Tout sheer that's blue and green and white. And I had it um, custom made to sconce shades and I had them run the fabric on the bias to be the trim around the bottom and the top. And then for the mirror, Mm. my easiest go-to always for mirror is made goods. I love Made Goods. They make such super cool products, and the owners are really lovely people. Um, they happen to make a mirror called the Hetty, and it's a blue acrylic oval frame, and the blue matches my wallpaper perfectly. So I've got this cool acrylic blue oval mirror. I have some brass waterworks fixtures. I've got the visual comfort lighting. Um, and today, I just selected my artwork. Um, my parents went to Italy and France a few months ago and our containers just finally arrived. So I got some really cool artwork that just came in from Europe. So I'm pretty excited. Oh, and Pioneer wow. Linens is um, wow. the accessory sponsor. And so they had some really lovely Riviera set is what I chose for the vanity set. So be just, just kind of fun little accessories. That sounds so beautiful and, and not what you'd expect in a basement powder. It That's what I was going for. So you know, powder, I... I love it when you open the door and you're like, wow, this is not what I was expecting. And it's right at the bottom of the stairs too. So I wanted it to have a big impact. Because it's the basement, I'm assuming there's no natural light. Is that, does that make it tricky to even pick colors? Is it like, were you concerned about the lighting? I did like- white finishes on my lighting and I wanted to just, the shagreen wallpaper has a little bit of a luminous quality. So I'm hoping that all the light fixtures will kind of reflect and help kind of glow. And then I've got touches of white again on the ceiling. So, you know, I I wouldn't have gone with like dark browns or anything like that because it would just be kind of dark. Did you get to um, design the vanity? Yes. Um, So Doug, the builder, had a sketch proposed. They just kind of had it in there and it's this really pretty just sort of fluted style. And I just thought it looked really pretty. And so we picked colors that all I wanted it to all be very seamless. Um, and then the vanity countertop, I wanted to do something a little bit different there. So the marble is pink and green. I'm oh. somehow branding myself as a very feminine designer because I keep finding myself putting pink in everything. And personally, I'm not a very feminine <laughs> designer, so I don't know why I keep doing this. But I just, I'm kind of drawn to pink because I think it perks up a space. And I think now everybody appreciates pink and it's not such a girly color. I think it can be very versatile in design. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. It's always kind of a nice unexpected color pop. Did you talk about what you're doing the trim in the room and how you pick that color? It's a blue color. I'd have to reference my sketch again because I forgot the name of it, but I pulled up my, um, the bird wallpaper, the windsong wallpaper, and there's two different shades of blue and mm-hmm. then there's a shade of white. So I picked different shades of blue, one for the vanity, one for the trim so that they would be reflective of that ceiling color so that everything, even though there's several different blues going on, they're all sort of repetitive. 
And there's not too much juxtaposition. So you haven't seen it yet. It's no. still under construction. Yeah, I got a call yesterday Are from you Suzanne. Are you nervous? So I'm, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I went there, gosh, about a month ago, but it was still, I mean. Suzanne Castle? No, Cooper. Suzanne Cooper from Tower. Oh, okay. I got a call yesterday from Suzanne saying they might back the date up a little bit. So I'm curious to see what's going on over there. But I went there like a month ago and it was oh, still okay. heavily under construction. So I just had wood flooring and that was about it. I called Brendan today, who's on site every day for the next couple of weeks. So I'm hoping to kind of get some updates here shortly because, you know, I'm dying to see it. So we'll see. Yeah, I can only imagine the level of coordination it takes to get the show house into a place where people can tour it. I mean, uh, I can imagine there's, there's already so much that goes into building a ground a house from the ground up, but then you have what probably 15 different designers with all very specific agendas and. Yeah, that would be a scary job. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and so, are you are you at least getting walkthroughs through Facetime or something like that to get updates? Or I've gotten some videos from Brendan because I'm actually doing another show house in Cashers. Um, I'm installing that this week, and I just got a video yesterday, and I was uh, surprised to see that some of my wallpaper had been torn out to move a light fixture. So that was. And I expected oh, surprise. No. And so I screenshot it and I sent it to the builder. And I was like, hey, what's up? What's going on here? And they were like, oh, don't worry. We have your wallpaper being repaired this morning. And I was like, okay, well, keep me posted. Because yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down here in Florida. And okay. most of the other designers are in Atlanta where the show house is. They can pop over whenever they want. Mm. So I've got some friends that are in the show house. Nina, mm-hmm. Nina Nash Long, she and I text about it. And the videographers... I've also worked with before for Ballard stuff. So they called me, they FaceTimed me recently. Mm -hmm. So I've got, you know, I've got eyes and ears out there. You have your sources. Yeah, I've got my sources to give me little little bits of information. But I know they'll pull it together. There's always complications. This is the time of COVID decorating. So there's always emergencies in normal times that back things up. So now in COVID, it's basically impossible to get anything done. So I've just learned to be flexible and just roll with it and, you know, just be as accommodating as possible because the most stress is on the people running the show house. That's not on me. So I just want to, you know, help them put it all together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is probably what your, your at least second, third show house that you've done. And third. And um, so I'm doing this one will be my third. This one installs after my next one, my next one technically my third, is Atlanta Homes and Lifestyles, Cashers, Show House. I'm doing bedroom four upstairs. Oh, okay. And it's going to be So, good. okay, what are like the last minute horror stories of of show houses? What I can only imagine things go wrong and you have to pivot. Like what, are there surprises, like good and bad? Well, a lot of just pushback on dates, like, you know, the ninth hour, like uh, in the Palmetto Show House, I, I think I actually couldn't go because I was having a baby. So that was a big bummer that I couldn't even go to the install or the <laughs> opening party. You can't really work around. I, I remember calling my OBGYN because I was like, God, I, I have worked on this all year. I have got to go to this. And he was like, absolutely not. No, you cannot travel right now, even if it was by car, because I was so close to my due date. So, you know, pushback of dates is like the most common emergency or problem. Mm-hmm. I got really lucky in my Atlanta show house. It was right at the beginning of COVID and before everything went crazy. And actually, it was yeah, it was right at the beginning of COVID. And I have to say, I got really lucky that nothing really went wrong there. And that was my first show house. The Palmetto show house was in the height of COVID craziness when you couldn't get anything done. Stuff was delayed, delayed, delayed. I know they had significant issues with the appliances and that's still a problem in the industry right now. Appliances are like the number one problem. Um, getting people to show up, getting you know people to come through on time, getting your subs to complete the work without being pulled away to another project. So I hate to say, but a lot of the issues fall on the builders. So, you know, I'm just there to make it look pretty, but a lot of the building issues are the, are the primary ones. The last show house, Palmetto, we did have a big 911 a week before the show house, our outdoor sponsor. They were going to be, based on the dates that we were installing, they were going to be pulling from their high point showroom to lend us the furniture for the show house. But because we got pushed back, that plan folded. So they didn't have the items that we had 
requested and that we wanted to use. So some of the furniture that we ended up using is actually their indoor furniture. It's not outdoor furniture. So, you know, you just got to work with it. You just got to be able to pivot. And, and I think that's the number one thing in decorating right now for clients and for designers is flexibility and willingness to be accommodating and just know that we're working our hardest to make this beautiful. We, we want to give you the best and we want to make it beautiful and amazing. But at the same time, you know, stuff happens. So, you know, right. we, I'm just pivoting all day long. Yeah. Okay, so getting back to, to powder rooms, um, what do you feel like are must-haves for someone that's working on their own powder room? And are there any don'ts out there in your mind when it comes to working in your powder room? I love to have beautiful paper towels, like paper hand towels, because then you can throw them away. Because to me, I, I don't like to have a hand towel that other people are using. I don't know. That's just like a personal thing. I like to have a beautiful paper towel. And Annie Selkie actually just came out with a killer line of a lot of her patterns. So she's incorporated them into paper napkins that you can use in the bathroom that are really cute and fun. And it's nice because you can just get one kind for, let's say you're throwing a specific kind of dinner party. You can get one that goes with the theme of your dinner party. You can get holiday ones. So I think it's easy because you could just buy a pack and they're very interchangeable and so, you know, whatever you're feeling at the moment, you can buy a pack of and you're not like committed to a specific embroidered tea towel. Although it's beautiful, I feel like they just get trashed and it's kind of a heartbreak for everybody. So I, I know that's kind of a weird thing, but uh, the beautiful little paper towels are like my kind of favorite thing. Oh, yeah. I agree. When they're in a bathroom, too. Mm. Um, I think having a candle is nice, too. It's nice to have a pretty candle. Lafco makes a beautiful candle. And nowadays you can get cute little matches that have like a little white or a different little colored into the matchstick. So it's kind of a nice little cute thing to have in a bathroom too. I think wallpaper is great because, you know, like the show house, a powder is a perfect place to do something unexpected. If there's something, if there's, I don't want to say a trend that you're following, but something that you felt was too much for your rest of your house. If there was a pattern that you love, but you were too scared to use it elsewhere, a powder is a perfect place to do something a little out of the box to kind of push the envelope a little bit. You know, it's a small space, so it's not like you're going to be faced with it all day, every day. So I always like to be a little bit edgy in the bathroom and do something unexpected. And it's also a good place to do a color if you are afraid to do a color in your home. It's a perfect place to do it. And if you're still feeling too nervous to do a bold, crazy wallpaper, you can put it on the ceiling. Do a ceiling wallpaper. Okay, let's talk about wallpaper on the ceiling. Yeah. Because that's that just sounds so amazing. But like, how often do you do wallpaper on the ceiling? Do you really like to do that a lot? Like in bigger rooms other than powders or? It depends because of the seams. So you have to be very careful with the type of the material you use. One of the favorite places to use it on the ceiling is in a dining room. If you're using pieced tea paper or metallic squares, it can be beautiful. It just depends on your installer. If you feel confident that they can line up the seams in a nice way or a way that's not going to be too obvious or, you know, you've got to make sure it's done perfectly. So you've got to make sure you're working with a very skilled installer. But I think it's a, I, I think wallpaper on the ceiling can be great, particularly in a dining room and in a powder room. Or if you're dealing with a room that has low ceilings, it's kind of a nice way to draw the eye up and make the space feel a little bit larger. And you could do a pattern, you can do a stripe, but you could even do like a large scale floral. I remember I went to Kipps Bay a couple of years ago and I forget the name of the decorator, but um, he had used this giant Christopher Farr cloth, wild sort of botanical flower on the ceiling. And I always thought, gosh, that is such an, I would never have thought to put a floral botanical pattern like that on the ceiling. And it, just, and it was a very low ceiling and it just was fantastic because it makes the space feel, it really envelops you in the space. That sounds amazing. And and it seems difficult enough to line up the patterns on a regular wall. So doing that on a ceiling just sounds outrageous to me. But I like the idea <laughs> so of, of you gotta make sure you got a skill something a little bit Yeah. Or choose something abstract that's not gonna need to line up, right? Yeah, and you can huh. cheat a little bit if you have more of an organic pattern. I've actually got stars on my son's bedroom ceiling. That was my first wallpaper I did in this house was my kids room. Oh, I love that. The other nice thing about that is it's only one surface. So it's 
and same with the with the powder room. It's such a small space that it's less wallpaper, so it's less of an investment. You can kind of take more of a risk. It's a small commitment to yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that you say that using it on a low ceiling makes it actually seem taller. It sort of, it seems sort of counterintuitive, but I guess that could kind of make sense. You're you're, you're drawing the eye up, drawing so more it's attention up there. Kind of like putting a mirror and a space to be reflective because it'll kind of help bounce the light around and bounce the eye around so that it feels larger than it is. Okay, what about lighting in a powder room? I feel like that's very important because you go in there to check your makeup, make sure you're looking all fresh and your lipstick is touched up. So like you got to have great lights, right? Uh, certainly. One thing I'll say too is powders almost most of the time don't have natural lighting. They're usually kind of a dark, smaller space. So you've got to make sure you've got sconces. If you don't have um, an overhead fixture, you've got, I've been in some, ba- I went into a bathroom recently that didn't even have cans and the ceiling. So it was just like a dark hole. So you've got to make sure that you work with an electrician to have a ceiling fixture and a pair of sconces flanking the mirror or a sconce over the mirror. But I think certainly overhead lighting, um, ideally a decorative fixture um, and then a pair of sconces. I don't like it in a bathroom when you've got a bulb right in your face. I think it's nice if you have a, a shade fixture or something where the bulb is enclosed. I don't like, you know, going into a bathroom and you're got two light bulbs staring right at your face because it's hot and unattractive and never use LED light bulbs just anywhere. Incandescent all the way. Never? You only oh. Well, in cans. In cans, it's kind of like you have to. Give us the pitch for this. I just don't like LED. Um, But it's so hard. It's so hard to buy incandescent old school, air quotes, old school, um, light bulbs because they're phasing them out and everything is moving to LED. And LED has gotten a lot better. You can sort of pick your shade of warm versus cool. But I just feel like it's got a nice, incandescent has such a nice natural glow. That's really hard to replicate with LED. LED sometimes can get really white and like polar and create kind of a funny light. Another cool light bulb to work with in a powder is an Edison bulb. It depends on what kind of fixture you have to make sure it's appropriate for the the style of the fixture. But an Edison bulb has kind of a nice muted glow. And that's always kind of fun and funky to use in a powder. Well, I love the ceiling mount that you picked for this powder room with the acanthus leaves and how that plays off of the birds that are happening on the ceiling too because they almost look like feathers that are coming up and and around it's i thought the shapes were kind of complimentary it's just kind of like i don't know yeah like feathers so i thought if we're gonna i'm gonna do this big crazy pattern on the ceiling i've got to have a light fixture that can stand up with it not just be like a flush mount or something yeah and i've i love that plat white plaster sort of finish that in lighting i don't know there's something it why is it there's something about that matte white that just feels so... I think it's the texture. I think a lot of people find the texture to be very attractive because it's a little bit rustic while still being elegant. Um, we use a lot of white plaster finishes. Julie Neal does a really good job for visual comfort. She's got a lot of very pretty light fixtures. Air Lauder too as well, obviously. But the plaster is nice because it's an unexpected finish. It gives you texture. It gives you kind of a nice balance to a bright light. So it's not, you know, it's not as specific as a polished nickel or a brass. So if you have an area where you maybe don't want to match finishes, like let's say you've got a brass fixture faucet and you don't want to have brass lighting, you can go with white plaster, which is what I did in this bathroom. I didn't want to have all brass lighting. I wanted to be able to sort of tone down the brass a little bit. So it's kind of a nice cheat as well. Yeah, because it would absorb some of the light rather than reflecting things back out. Yeah, you really nailed it. Okay, I hadn't thought about that. It's like so elegant, but also very, very casual. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't want to get too fussy with brass, then that plaster is like... Yeah. It's kind of a chameleon. You can do sort of like coastal looks with it. You can do a more elegant. You can do like the... I actually think it looks great in a kitchen. If you've got that sort of... Everybody loves that clay tile right now. I think white plaster lighting, visual comfort. Um, Suzanne Kastler makes a really pretty new pendant. I think it's the Limoges pendant. It's just, you know, nice and simple, but it's got that white plaster finish. So it's the texture is so nice to give it another layer of dimension. Yeah. Okay. So other than LED bulbs, what are some don'ts for a bathroom? 
powder room specifically? I would say uh, a black toilet. I haven't seen those in a long time. <laughs> but um, that's going to be a no for me. Okay, yeah. For that reason, I'm out. Um, I also just make sure whenever you're picking your sink and your faucet, make sure it's not going to splash everywhere. There is nothing more annoying than washing your hands in a powder bathroom and the water is just everywhere. Maybe it's a really cool vessel sink, but make sure your faucet is complimentary because that drives me insane when there's just water everywhere. No, that's really true. I was was just traveling and the powder room faucet was too close to the start of the basin. So I didn't even have any room to put my hands under the water. It was a whole, it was a whole series of unfortunate. That's so that's a good tip. That's awful. Water splashing all over the place is, is like, I, I can't stand it. Yeah. That's a big one for me. What about like no extra toilet paper? Uh, yeah. Well, it, well, nowadays, like you guys, Ballard, you've even got some decorative accessories to make, you know, make it pretty to keep it around. So there's no excuse not to have a couple of backup rolls of toilet paper. That's like 101. True. So if you're concerned about where to put it, just get like a standing, you know, a rattan uh, paper holder mm-hmm. and call a it holder. a yeah, Yeah, exactly. There you go. Nellie, you talked, we haven't touched on the antiques much, but I had, I was reading an interview you did. I think it was actually for the flower magazine show house, the Palmetto Bluff one. And, um, you were talking a little bit about antiquing and sort of how it was a, like a fixture of every family vacation that y'all took. So can you tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about that? And we haven't even mentioned your very iconic design family that you come from. So maybe give everybody a little little lesson in growing up Howard. When we were kids, every summer, my parents took us to North Carolina and they called it the adventure vacation. So every summer we would rent a house up in the mountains and go up there for like two weeks. And something that I thought every family did this, I didn't know that just our family always goes antiquing. So we would rent, you know, we would have a, um, actually my mom had a van when we were kids and we would go antiquing and sometimes they would buy a nice big antique table and on the ride home, they would flip it upside down and make a fort out of the inside of it for me. And that's how I would ride home. And I thought it was fantastic. And I also thought that this is what everybody does and everybody's family goes antiquing. And so I literally have grown up in antique stores. <laughs> and I mean, I've, it's like ingrained in me. It's in my blood. I can't, I can't go anywhere without going to an antique store, which I'm sure my husband just loves. But we also, for example, we were in Tampa two weeks ago for a family trip. What did we do? We went antiquing in Tampa. We didn't find anything, but it's like we, it's like we can't go anywhere without checking out the antique shops. It's almost, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a, an addiction. I guess it is. But yeah, every summer we would go up to do North Carolina. Do you go to some crappy ones? Oh yeah, you never know what you're gonna get. I mean, there's certainly places that we've been to that are old faithfuls. Um, and my parents go to Italy and France. Uh, they go to the flea market in France, which is a new favorite thing, thing for them. They've shopped outside London, so they've they've been all over. We hit some great places on a family vacation two years ago in Asheville. My mom and I uh, ducked out for a couple of hours and got some fantastic pottery. So we try to find something that we know is probably going to be good to the area. Like Asheville had a lot of wonderful pottery. So we got a ton of great stuff up there. But you never know what you're going to get. It could be a total bust. It could be a fantastic find. There was one time I was on an install with one of our designers up in, I think it was Essex, New York. It was We were doing one on Lake Champlain. And we had a couple hours to kill before our plane ride. And so we went to this, I mean, junky junk junk capital of the universe in Essex. And it was like this tiny little thing. And you go in there, then you, it opens up and do a huge antique mall. So I was just like, my eyes just were like this. And it was like walking around Mecca. I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to take all this home? So I found this lamp and it's actually sitting over here. And I love this lamp, but I'm like, how in the world am I going to get a lamp onto an airplane? Cause I just had my carry on. I wasn't, you know, bringing anything else home. So I fell in love with this lamp and I had to have it. And I also had to have a giant piece of arc that was probably 30 by 36. 
So I emptied my carry-on suitcase and I repacked it around the lamp and I kicked the glass out of the frame of the artwork and put it under my arm. And no, you did I not. absolutely did. And I've done it before too, and I'll do it again. I, yeah, in the parking lot, I kicked, kicked the glass out, busted it out of the frame, but it was a, I was hoping that I could roll it up because I've done that before. You could just roll it up and put it in your bag. This was glued to poster, so I couldn't. So I just took the poster board under my arm like this and I ran through, at that point we were now running late for our flight. So I get to security and I'm like, oh, how am I going to run this through security? So I take my giant poster and I just let it go through the machine And then I could see the people's eyes going like this when my lamp is going through because I've got a suitcase with a lamp inside. And I know they're thinking like, what is in here? So, yeah, I I brought a lamp through security with me. Um, And another time also, I got the giant vase back here behind me. It's, I don't know, two feet tall. That was my carry-on and I had to seatbelt it in with myself on on an airplane. So I'll, I'll make it work. I've found some fun stuff on my travels and I've considered like throwing my clothes away to be able to pack stuff. A less brave person would just say, oh, okay, I can do without it. So I can't do without it. I have to have it. Yeah. (laughs) Is that your general rule for, for, for antiquing? It's like, you know, do you have to have it or do you have a list like a running list of things that you're looking for all the time? Well, I've always got my clients in the back of my mind, wherever I'm going, wherever I'm shopping. Um, Like, for example, I went to our warehouse this morning to finalize my stuff for the Casher Show House. And while I was there, in my head, I'm going through a mental list of, okay, I've got another install in two weeks and she needs X, Y, and Z. And then in another week, I've got the Flower Show House. Let's finalize our artwork. So I've always got these things sort of floating in the back of my mind. Um, if I've got to go to market or somewhere where I've got a lot of shopping to do, I do write down a list of what I need. Um, and the best thing to do is to cut up your fabrics and staple them onto a piece of paper. It's kind of like our little method. And that way I can just slide it into my purse. And that way I've just got little cuttings of like a whole project on one paper. And it's a nice small thing that you can, you can just tuck into your purse. Um, but yeah, I, I usually just, I don't know, I have a hard time saying no, but if it's something that's truly not feasible to like get home, I'll say no, or I'll figure out how to get it home. But it just depends on how good it is. We went out to Round Top to the antique fair. Gosh, I guess that was in October or November because I was also a hundred months pregnant and it was a thousand degrees. But we um, were wondering, we, we don't really do much work out in Texas. We don't really go to the West much at all. So we had to do a little shopping around to find out who a freight carrier would be because we knew that we were going to be loading up, a, we were going to hopefully be loading up a truck um, to bring home a lot of inventory. So we did some calling around and there's a guy named Rancho Buck. And so we hired Rancho Buck to pick up a truckload of stuff, and bring it on home to Florida. And now Rancho Buck is my Texas guy. You just got to be op- open to name. options. It's a hell of a name. I mean, now I know Rancho <laughs> Buck is my Texas guy. And then we had to do a job in Texas a few weeks later. And I said, I got a guy, Rancho Buck. That's great. He's fantastic if you, if you ever need any work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we know who to call. Okay, so, you know, your, your mom and dad are Phoebe and Jim Howard. Your brother is also a designer, Andrew Howard. Talk to us about... Growing up with, amongst all of these design talents, was it hard to find your own sort of design sense? Do you feel like your styles are all uniquely different? Do you sort of lean towards one, someone who you feel like you have a similar style to? I think I'm probably most similar to my mom. I think uh, my brother, my dad, my mom, and I, we've all got our own unique styles. Andrew is certainly a master of pattern and color. He goes outside the box of anything that I would have ever done. He's done neon green laundry room cabinets, which I think is so amazing that he just has full confidence in this like sort of, you know, color centric look. Whereas I personally am a much more toned down muted palette person, which probably comes from my mom. Everything she does is, you know, she's known for doing things that are very soft and her mantra is keep it pretty. So her looks are always primarily muted colors or, um, you know, we don't do a ton of bold colors. My dad is pretty neutral as well, but in a much more modern way. 
he's certainly the most modern of all of us. And my mom and I are more traditionalists. I like to think that I'm somewhere in between, I guess people call it transitional. I like to think of it as just fresh traditional where it's, it's the classics, but it's a current take on them. And I think a lot of things are coming back, you know, every 20 years, something's back again. So right now it's bouillon French. You know, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. I've been told that people find my style to be feminine, which I think is so funny because I, I actually kind of like to do men's spaces, but I like for a home to be comfortable. And now that I've got young kids at home, it's very important to me that a space is practical and livable while still being beautiful. I want people to feel like I'm going to provide them with a beautiful space and a beautiful home, but they can touch it and sit on it and clean it up if something happens. And luckily in this day and age, there are so many options available for cleanable items. There's Krypton, there's performance coatings, there's indoor outdoor rugs. So it's been made so much easier now um, so that you can decorate appropriately for your space, you know, whether it's pets, kids, grandkids, just trying to make sure that whatever I'm doing for my client is a reflection of their taste and their style, but in a way that's going to work for their lifestyle. I, I can only imagine, like, like I read another interview, sorry, about um, you were saying initially you didn't think you would go into the design field. So how did that um, sort of evolution come about? I graduated in the recession. That's how that happened. So I graduated college and it was the middle of a recession and I had an art history degree. And I said, hey, mom and dad, can I have a job? So I started work at our Jacksonville Beach location and just started out knowing absolutely nothing and just sort of worked as a shop kid. I grew up in the back, quite literally in the back of the stories. I went to the um, our first store, our Jacksonville store, every day after school. So it's always felt like a second home to me. So luckily, I did have the familiarity of, you know, the stores and I, I've just grown up in them. So while I didn't have any design sense... Um, it always felt like home to me. So I just, every day you learn something new. And what I love about our design model, being that we have retail showrooms, but we're also designers, is if you are young or just getting started out, working in the store is free practice. You know, we have what we call store redos all the time where we have to, you know, a whole room is sold. So I've got, or I've got new merchandise I want to get out. So it's your playground to be able to develop your own aesthetic, find out what works, find out what doesn't work, balance and scale, what styles look good together, what arm sofa to put with your chair arm. So that is an, you know, a great way to be able to teach yourself what works and what doesn't and what your style is and what sells, what people like. And um, so I just sort of, I mean, I continue to learn every day. So I've been there for about 13 years at our Jacksonville Beach location. And so now I buy for the stores. Um, and I love going to market for the stores. I love having storefronts because I think going to market and having to shop in that way keeps you very connected to what is out there with all the manufacturers. You see what everybody has and I can sell confidently because I can say, I've sat in that chair, it's not comfortable. Or I've sat on that sofa and it's amazing. It's the most comfortable thing ever. So I feel like I'm able to sell to my clients you know, with good faith that I have seen this, I've touched it, it's it's good quality. Or I can say I've seen that and I don't think it's good quality. So I want to be able to sell stuff that I can stand behind. So that's what I love about buying for our stores now is going to market. I try to go um, several times a year. I go to High Point twice a year. I go to Atlanta Market twice a year. So for me, that's a very important part of the job is, is shopping for the stores so you can see everything that's out there. I think it's really important. It sounds like doing the store assortments is like a crash course in decorating because you're probably doing it more frequently than you would even install a house. And yeah, you can kind of swap things out if it's not working. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, yeah, it's like a playground and it makes it so that, you know, I can switch things around a lot. And for, for our design jobs, for our installations, it makes things really easy because I can pull out of our own inventory for accessories and pillows and lampshades and things like that. So we keep a tremendous stock of these things. So instead of having like, I've got to order this living room lamp with this lampshade, I'm going to bring four different pairs and see what works and what doesn't work. I put back on the truck and I take back to the shop because most of our clients are hiring us for our aesthetic, which they see in the stores. So nine times out of 10, what we're ordering is consistent with what we would order for the stores. So... I mean, certainly a lot of times there's things that I can't take back, like a custom rug, custom lighting. But 
we do have the ability to be able to pull from our inventory, which is really helpful, especially when it comes to accessories. For an installation, usually on the last day, we'll tell people, look, we're just going to set it up all the way. We do all of the accessories, bathroom accessories, candles, you know, faux florals, coffee table books. We completely decorate the whole thing. And then you take a look and you let us know if there's anything you want us to remove. And we take it back and we bring it back to the store if it doesn't work out. So it's kind of a a safe offering that we can give to our clients knowing that they don't have to like commit to every single coffee table book. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I'm sure that like, you know, if you, because accessorizing is no inexpensive task, right? And so it would probably seem daunting to go ahead and like commit, but if you can kind of see it all set up and how it's really going to look, it makes a lot more sense and probably is... You don't have to imagine it. You know, you can see it in real life. Well, I always advise our clients too, whenever we do an estimate, I put in line items for art, accessory estimates, mirror estimates, lamp and shade estimates. So I try to make them aware of what the projected costs or what we think will be for the space in advance. And we say, listen, this is what we think it's going to cost. We're just going to bring some things in, see what works. And if you're not comfortable with that, we can remove it or discuss ordering some different options. But it's important for our clients to know that I can't just sell you a sofa, a rug, and two chairs, and it's going to be pretty. You have to finish it with the accessories. You have to have the draperies. You have to have the lighting. You have to have the pillows on the sofa. The sofas need to have a welt cording or a fringe or some kind of finishing edge. You've got to have things on your coffee table. You've got to have books, two hurricanes, a faux floral, a box, you know, whatever it is. It's all the finishing touches that finish a room. And if you're going to make the investment in furnishing your home or styling your home, I would always recommend that you leave room in your budget for the finishing touches because otherwise you're still going to spend a substantial amount of money and you may not be happy with the complete, you know, with the final product if you aren't completing the space appropriately. And curtains, it's always tricky because curtains are, no matter what, pretty much always the most expensive thing in a room. But to me, they are the most powerful thing in the room because they dress your windows and your windows a lot of time are the biggest thing in the room. So it's the icing on the cake. And, and to me, drapery is kind of like a deal breaker if you don't have it. It's just, it's difficult to explain to somebody. It's sort of like wallpaper. If you feel like wallpaper is necessary for a space, it's really difficult to explain to a client that, listen, this room is just not going to look finished without, you know, the draperies or, or whatever these last touches may be. I definitely feel that one because I feel like that's the one my husband and I always debate on. He doesn't like understand it until it's up and you're like, see, the, the room feels finished. And sometimes you can't, a client can't see it without getting to the other side and seeing it finished and completed. And then they go, oh, that does completely transform the room. So a lot of times I think people think, well, I can just buy a dining table and chairs and a rug, and that's the dining room. But really, you need the chandelier, you need the drapery, you need the pair of lamps on the sideboard, you need art over the sideboard, you need art on the sidewalls, you need a mirror. So it's not just furniture, it's it's everything else that goes that goes along with it that really actually completes the space and is what makes it look pretty. Am I crazy to think that also the drapery, it has like a... It- adds like a feel to the room and I don't mean mm-hmm. a visual feel like texture and dimension it's almost like sound te- and like the room feels better I don't know it's like more insulated the sound sounds better I don't know maybe I'm weird but well I think window treatments offer a lot of things other than privacy is also they they add texture and dimension to the windows they do make the room feel cozier you know fabric and textile material eat up sound So in the same way that window panels finish the walls, it's the same thing a rug does. The more fabric you have, the more sound it'll eat up. And so then the cozier it feels instead of feeling like a big echoey room. That's part of the layering that I feel like, again, you need a designer to do and show you how to do because the room will just echo and you're like, what's wrong in here? Why isn't it finished? And yeah, you definitely need a hundred layers for everything. (laughs) So do you think you'll continue to do show houses? My husband asked me that same question because we were laying out our calendars the other night and I was, I, it dawned on me that I have travel like almost every week for like the next 12 weeks. And we have two small kids. I have an eight month old baby and a two year old. And so my husband was just kind of like, 
how many more show houses are you going to do? Because, you know, it's the, um, I've got to go to Atlanta to shop for the show houses, or I've got to travel to other places where I find my inspiration and do my shopping for the show houses. And then I do the installation of the show house. And then I usually go back up on a separate date to do like the show house parties and viewings of the show house and things like that. So there is a lot of travel involved. So I think for now, I'm going to put a pin in show houses, although I've been so, I mean, incredibly blessed and so lucky to be a part of these show houses. They've been incredible and it's been wonderful for my, um, you know, career. It's, it's been fabulous to work with all these magazines and everyone's been so gracious. But I think after these two wrap, um, maybe it's just because I did them, they ended up being together back to back. It's just been a lot, a lot of travel. So I think I'm just going to maybe put pause Unless Kip's Bay comes knocking at my door, which I will always, you know, that would, that would be the dream. <laughs> right, that would be the ultimate, yeah. Down, no. If anybody that works for Kip's Bay is listening, I'm available. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that would obviously be the dream. But I think for now, I'm going to maybe put a pause on the show house because I've got, uh, you know, I've got other travel coming up. We've got High Point Market coming. So I'm always open to whatever opportunities are out there. But I think for now, show house number four in two years is, is good. <laughs> well, and with two kids, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I haven't admitted to you yet, but you are one of my favorite Instagram follows. Um, <laughs> watching you and your two boys, I just am dead all the time. I have two boys who are um, one and four. So you so get I it. Can you relate. know. Every time you post like a truck bedding or some kind of decorative detail, I'm like, I hear you. You're like, I know he would love it, but I also don't love it. It kills me. <laughs> I washed his bedding yesterday and I hate it. I hate it so much, but he loves it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love my child. I love my child. I'll do this construction truck bedding. Like I'll just, I'll do it. Cause you know, makes him happy. <laughs> but if you Google chic fire truck, it's not out there. It doesn't. <laughs> there are no chic fire trucks. There's no count and tout. I've already discussed with them. I'm like, where's your fire truck wallpaper? You know, come on, help me out here. So, okay, so there's a hole in the market. Yeah, here. So there's my niche. Exactly. So um, I would love to do a children's out. line. I know. I kind of like loosely dropped the dropped that with Dillard's. I was like, I would love to do a children's line because I can tell you everything that I'm looking for that I can't find out there. And you know, the other mm -hmm, thing that mm -hmm. nobody thinks about, or I, I didn't think about it until this happened, lamps for a children's room are almost always ceramic. And guess what? Kids break stuff. That thing got knocked <sighs> off. I bought the cutest fire truck with a little dog driving it lamp. I thought it was the best thing ever. He loved it. Thought it was so great. Literally the next day, kicked it off the diaper changing table. Just done. <laughs> and I was like, that was stupid. Why did I buy a ceramic lamp? I mean, this is just like a... I might as well put like a glass carafe in there, like just waiting to be knocked over. So that's my next big idea. Mm, yeah. Wooden yeah, lamps. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or metal? Like, yeah. What are, what are your mm, other options? Not they ceramic. They still pull the metal one over. They'll just like okay, well, then you just go around. Sconces. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I actually did that in, my, um, in Liam's room, my baby. I did sconces on the wall because I was like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not buying something. This is going to get broken literally immediately. Oh, I'm sure. Have you decorated any boy or kids rooms other than your boys? Yes. One of my first clients like 10 years ago, I did her nursery. It was one of my first projects. Uh, she had a baby girl and she's pregnant again. And so we're doing her nursery right now. And, um, you know, it's just funny The um, you got to keep it. Obviously, you want it to be pretty and sweet, but at the same time, the chair fabric needs to be performance because it's going to get vomited on 150 times a day. My, my baby Liam is a reflux baby. So I sure learned a lot about cleaning things. I chose an indoor outdoor rug for his room because let's be honest, a lot goes down in there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I feel like all three of our kids are all the exact same ages. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm living in old, like, no, 10 month old. Yeah. I'm living in that like bodily fluid lifestyle right now. And mm -hmm. <laughs> it kills me to have to be kid friendly. But so that's why I try to find design that's still really pretty, but that can be scrubbed. Yeah. Because that's, that's well, real life. If it makes you feel any better, it's not just boys because I have two girls and my four year old is. 
I get it. You don't even have to say it. I get it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> it's not just boys. Yeah, it's uh, kids are. I mean, the things that they do. It's it's interesting. In fact, I I am redecorating mm-hmm. our living room, which my husband doesn't. Um, he doesn't know about that yet. But I did buy a new rug because our rug has just gotten <laughs> destroyed. And he said, why are you buying a new rug? Because you, you see what's happening to this one. I said, no, no, it's an indoor-outdoor rug. Like, it's truly scrubbable. Our agreement was that I can do that once our eldest is potty trained. And I'm like, I got to get this kid potty trained. <laughs> I got I to get this kid potty trained before I can get any new furniture in here. Because that's life. <laughs> is it kind of back-ordered, maybe? No, it's here. It's in, time? it's in my warehouse. And... I'm like, God, I got to get this kid potty trained. I need this rug so bad. I've already flipped my rug over. Potty trained rewards for you. Yeah. That's that's really funny. I have a new, I have a new sectional and a new rug. (laughs) It's sitting in the warehouse until my little beasts become a little more tame. Until. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Who knows? But you got to keep the window between reflux baby and potty training. It's going to be small. I don't know which one's worse. (laughs) I don't know which one's worse. That's what, like, Stanley Steamer? Right? Yeah. That's what they're for? Yeah. I, I, I'm very familiar with the um, – we have a company here in Jacksonville called Zero Res, and they come out to your home and clean. And let me tell you, we're friendly with those people. We've, uh, you know, we've mm-hmm. called them a couple times. <laughs> yeah. You know, become friends with your upholstery cleaners. <laughs> They've seen some things. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, Taryn, I need to get your rug guy, your rug cleaner guy. I just sent my out last week, so you're yeah. on it. <laughs> just thank you for posting. I appreciate everything you do. I'll keep it coming. Yes, those of us we're out there in solidarity with you. <laughs> and Liz has Liz has a um, I have a teenager, high so yeah, you're she's she's got different yeah, different problems. Whole, it's a whole different series of problems <laughs> mm-hmm. that you know we'll talk about in ten years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My problems right now are like very physically destructive. Yours are more like emotionally disruptive. And yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. (laughs) Bigger kids, bigger problems. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's been wonderful. Thank you, ladies. Hopefully we'll see you at the the show house opening. And um, if you could tell everyone where they could find you, follow you, see your work, that'd be great. Yes. So I'm on Instagram at Nellie Howard OC. And I'll be in the Atlanta Flower Magazine show house uh, in a couple of weeks. I hope you have time to come by and see it. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!